0: Please be seated. Our message this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. I'll be reading from the Message Bible this morning. Hear the word of God. Moses was shepherding the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the west end of the wilderness and came to the mountain of God called Horeb. The angel of God appeared to him in flames of fire blazing out of the middle of a bush, and he looked. The bush was blazing away, but it didn't burn up. Moses said, what's going on here? I can't believe this. This is amazing. Why doesn't the bush burn up? God saw that he had stopped to look, and God called to him from out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he said. Yes, I'm right here. God said, don't come any closer. Remove your sandals from your feet. You're standing on holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look at God. God said, I've taken a good long look at the affliction of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries for deliverance from their slave masters. I know all about their pain. and Now I've come down to help them, to pry them loose from the grip of Egypt, get them out of that country and to bring them to a good land with wide open spaces, a land lush with milk and honey, the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. The Israelite cry for help has come to me, And I've seen for myself how cruelly they're being treated by the Egyptians. It's time for you to go back. So I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses answered, but why me? What makes you think that I could ever go to Pharaoh and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? I'll be with you, God said. This will be the proof that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought my people out of Egypt, you will worship God right here at this very mountain. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We're continuing our sermon series, uh, The Character of a United Methodist. And we've explored uh, what it means to love God, what it means to rejoice in God. And this morning, um, we're going to focus on what it means to pray constantly. Yes, (laughs) I drew that card (laughs) to preach this morning. Um, I would say that when it comes to prayer, um, I feel the most insecure spiritually. I feel the most uh, humble. Um, I feel like I have the least uh, to teach you. I feel, um, I feel like a teenager, you know? I, in terms of, uh, I don't think I recognized my own nose until I had a pimple <laughs> on it. Um, you know, when we talk about the soul, where is the soul? Well, I don't think I recognized my own soul until somebody said, uh, Neil, would you pray? And all of a sudden, I'm trying to connect something deep with words and trust on the outside, God has given us a vocabulary for the soul. God has given us a story that has given us a better end and life than any other. And John Wesley, who um, began this Methodist movement with god 's help. Uh, gives us such language for prayer as a means of grace. He talks about grace as a, as a front porch, a porch where you and I begin to take notice of God for the first time. He talks about grace as a, a door to that house uh, where we acknowledge what Christ has done uh, for us and is doing in us. Through the cross and the resurrection, he talks about uh, grace as a fireplace and a hearth in a living room where we, we, we grow uh, accustomed to the warmth of God's love, so much so that uh, our characters begin to resemble that of Jesus. As I think about grace, and that porch, and door, and house, um, I personally would say that prayer has got to be the driveway to that property, that driveway to the house. Um, I think Moses, uh, as he is, is shepherding uh, his father-in-law's sheep, he notices the driveway the moment he begins to take notice and looks in the direction of that burning bush. I think since the pandemic, I've found the the driveway to be a place where I see a neighbor that I've never met before, and, and I begin to value the words, it's good to see you, and learning their name. You know, a driveway is a place where you welcome people to your home. It's a place where you and I try to say goodbye well, I believe that if this does wonders between us and neighbors and strangers, what if there was such a a driveway called prayer in our lives and our relationship with God? It appears that Moses begins with needing a burning bush, needing uh, signs, needing to be a part of God's wonders in the beginning. But at the end, it's a sign that really he gets tripped up about and keeps him from the, the promised land. It's as if we're, we learn from Moses' life that there's a time for signs, there's a time for help, and then there's a time to mature, that we don't need these uh, signs to be ourselves before God and before people, that there doesn't need to be any um, confusion what is God and what is me or you. And all of this is part of a, a constant life of prayer. One of the first things that God says to, to Moses as he approaches uh, the burning bush is he says, uh, Change something about yourself. He, he takes off his shoes. He's letting Moses know that there's… something's happening right now. If you've ever begun a new relationship, there's, there's a certain point where you say, are we really doing this? Are we really going there? Is this real? And I almost feel like God is saying that to Moses. By taking off your shoes and responding to my voice in this way, we're really going to go there together. You wouldn't wear your, your sandals in the deep end of a pool. Change something about this moment and come all the way in. For us, it might be taking off our watch and laying it aside and saying, God, you have all of my undivided time and attention right now. It might be us leaving our, uh, our phone in the car. It might be kicking off your shoes under your desk at work. Please put them back on when somebody enters the room. <laughs> but are we really going there? Are we really doing this? The answer is yes. And I love all these different pictures of what c- prayer can be. In the Bible, it is standing with lifted hands. It is kneeling on the ground. It is even lying face down on the ground as if you were dead. I was visiting with um, a friend earlier this week, and she has had bad news followed by the worst news followed by even more bad news. And when I asked her, do you feel like God is with you? And she says, yes. Sometimes I'm angry. Um, Sometimes I feel at peace. But what I always do is I talk to God as if he's sitting in the chair next to me. And other times when I'm in bed, I talk to Jesus as if he's lying right there. i found that cupping my hands sometimes in my lap when I pray is my expression that I need you to fill my cup, Lord. I feel empty right now. I need you. In the 945 service, we light candles and we have kneeling pads. We see in the Bible that people are sitting and walking as they pray. We can pray with our eyes opened or closed, with words or in silence. And I think the the older I get in the faith, the more I feel as if uh, God's word was meant to be prayed through rather than just read. Prayer is meant to be alone with God and with others when we feel like it and when it feels like it makes no difference at all and with all of our emotions. I love that my friend said, yes, I'm angry when I'm praying to God. I'm sad. We pray to God when when there's joy and indifference, when there is doubt, and we feel hopeless. I believe that God listens to our our casual conversations as prayer. And when I ask others to pray for me, not when they get home, but like in the moment, You and I are exercising great trust with the other. John Wesley, when he would run out of words to pray, he would pick up up the, the, the Book of Common Prayer when the words did not come easily, and he would read another's prayers and make them his own. Prayer seems to be more than us just speaking to God. But in Moses' case, it's listening to the everlasting love of God. When God says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. John Wesley would say that true prayer is lifting up one's heart to God and focusing all of our attention on God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say, we learned to speak as children because a parent or a grandparent or somebody in the nursery spoke to us, I remember uh, calling uh, my future wife on the phone when she was babysitting, and uh, all of a sudden she would be talking to somebody i 'm like, "Who else is there she's like it's just the baby i 'm like, "Well, what are you saying?" she 's like, "Well, every time the baby goes "Oh." I make sure that I speak, speak back to them with real words because they're trying to communicate with me, and I need to speak back to them and let them know that, they are, that I'm listening and they're learning language. How much more do we learn to speak to God because God has spoken to us? There's a, a word that I've learned recently um, I haven't figured out a way to use it yet, but it's an interesting word. It's um, aceta. It means a loss of desire. Your heart is not really engaged in your whole life. I think as God is speaking to, to Moses, and he's, he's talking about the, the cry of the Israelites and the the threat of the Egyptians. When God says it's time for you to go back, so I'm sending you. I think maybe the most powerful word is that little word so. So I'm sending you. This little word that would bridge Moses' past and future and present all together. A little word for all of us to live into. One that you'll see on a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers sign in the stadium or a Jacksonville Jaguars later today of John 3:16. For God so loved the world, not us against the world not God against the world, us and God so loving the world. Moses says in verse 11, what makes you think I could ever go back to that world, to go back to Pharaoh, to go back to Egypt? Why me? When you and I venture in a continued life of prayer, prayer that is constant, there's going to be heart homework for us. There's going to be something about our character for us to work on. Thank God, right? Because my children deserve a better father every day. My wife deserves a better husband every day. My father deserves a better son every day. You deserve a better pastor every day. I love what the the theologian Paul uh, Tillich said. He said, when it comes to our character, there are moments even in suffering that interrupt our life and remind us that we're not the person we thought we were. It seems to carve through what we thought was the floor or the basement of our soul, and it reveals a cavity below and then it carves through that and it reveals yet another cavity below. And you know what's at the, that place at the very bottom where our soul and our character meet? It's more of God's grace. When God says to Moses, you will worship me right here at this very mountain one day with the people of Israel, With all of his doubts with all of his anger with all of his hopelessness and all of his insecurities god is saying see there is more of my grace than anything else inside of you anything that you have said anything that you have thought anything that you have done any place that you have been anywhere you are going even your very sin there is more of my grace inside of you than anything else. That's a constant life of prayer. You and I learn how to listen, almost like that couple on the, on the road to Emmaus with Jesus, this hidden stranger named Jesus, who will explain to us the things that have happened and are happening. And how there's a whole new world waiting to be born, God's kingdom, for which you and I, in T Wright would say, are midwives, for the kingdom of God to come upon the earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray together. God, we thank you for the, the gift and the grace of prayer that is greater than anything else on the inside of us, your Spirit at work, your Word to pray through, our relationships to live out. God, we ask this morning that you would meet us and give us that, uh, that cup of water that we need for the journey uh, to fill our hearts, Lord, as we lift up our lives in constant prayer. It's in Jesus' name we all pray, same. amen and amen. I invite you to stand for our hymn of ded- faith and dedication. Uh, what a friend we have in Jesus, number 526. As you're able, would you stand as we worship? What a friend we have in Jesus. The best friendships that that you and I brag about are the ones where we pick up where we left off. And so, whether that was this morning in prayer, whether that was two years ago, uh, whether it was last week, uh, you have a friend in Jesus. Uh, Let's live our lives together in constant prayer in Jesus' name. Now, receive the benediction. Go into your week with your ears pitched for the sound of God calling your name. Go into your week with your eyes peeled for the face of Jesus in unexpected places. Go into your week with your soul's poised to receive more of his spirit, his spirit of peace. It's the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who knows us and loves us best, we all pray saying amen and amen. Amen.